Are you ready, Ma? Yes. Are you ready, Christine? I think so. Listen to the story. Before we start the story, we have an addendum to last week's The Dirty Dozen. Because Christine and I had a little bet about uh, at what time the Black character would die, and neither of us won. Why? What was the bet? The bet was at what time would Jim Brown's character be killed off? And Christine said one. 30 maybe i said 145 something like that oh but it was well over two hours yeah yeah so he lasted yeah over two hours he should have lasted the whole time he should have he should have been the one to make it out Mm -hmm. because he was really the most innocent yep well this week we're going to england where nobody's innocent Uh, we are doing 1975's Tommy. This is the story of Tommy, who, when just a boy of six, witnessed the murder of his father by his mother and her lover. That is, like, guys, though. You, you, I can't believe I had never seen this film before. It takes you on such a roller coaster. It's the most chaotic thing I've ever watched. It is bonkers. The level of bonkery that keeps... It's basically the film equivalent of Hold My Beer. And somebody who just keeps coming and holding... Hold my beer. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. It's adapted from um, their... The album, Tommy, which was released in 1969. Yes, it's the, the Who's fourth studio album was Tommy. So if you uh, know about 1969 and the rock scene back then, there were a lot of hallucinogenics being done. So I'm just going to leave that on the table. Um, They command Tommy, you didn't hear it, you didn't see it, and you won't say anything to anyone. As a result, he becomes deaf, mute, and blind. Particulous. So Tommy came out in the United States on March 19th, 1975, and in the UK on March 26th, 1975. It's produced, written, and directed by Ken Russell, who also did Women in Love, The Devils, and Altered States. It's, as we said, based on the fourth studio album from The Who, that was released on May 17th, 1969. It's considered a rock opera. This, the movie is definitely an opera as like, there's no dialogue. Everything is sung, which I was like, oh wow, this really is opera-y. Um, the Who is a rock band. It's made up of lead vocalist Roger Daltrey, guitarist Pete Townsend, Bassist John Entwistle and drummer Keith Moon. They burst onto the scene in 1965 as part of the British invasion, which saw bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones um, take popular blues and black music and make millions of dollars off of it. They recycled it. That's being very kind. (laughs) They colonized it. Um... 
their big thing in 1965 was my generation. Uh, people try to put us down to, to, to talking about my generation. So they were a big band. Oh my God. They were everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's edited by Stuart Bard, who did the 1978 Superman, Gorillas in the Mist, Lethal Weapon, and Casino Royale. So he was a good editor, but it, uh, I get it was edited. <laughs> it had to be edited. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine what was on? The cutting room floor. No. The music, obviously, is by The Who. The director of photography, there were two. One was uh, Dick Bush. Ah, Dick. Ah, Dick. Oh, cousin Dick. Cousin Dick. Who also did Sorcerer, Victor Victoria, Mm. and Mahler. And Ronnie. Sorcerer's been floating around lately. I know. Weird. That's, That's the power of Gone with the Bushes and Dick Bush. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Ronnie Taylor, who also did Gandhi Cry Freedom, and he did additional photography on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's starring. Now, I couldn't look up while I was watching this. I didn't want to look up the cast because Tini had right. said, like, oh, the cameos are crazy. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, is that? I know that. Like, that's a famous actress that's the mom. And in yeah. my. Yeah, I was just like, that lady is very famous. And I couldn't figure out, like, what her name was. But I was just like, she is, like, a bona fide famous actress woman. And that bona fide famous actress woman is none other than Anne Margaret, who was born Anne Margaret Olsen in Sweden. That's right. She was born in Sweden and then came over to America and became a, a U.S. citizen when she was a child. I knew that. That's why I did this, you know, like a film after Persona. Mm-hmm. She got her big uh, break in Bye Bye Birdie. Uh-huh. She was also super famous. Oh, I love Bye Bye Birdie. I've never seen it. I was in the pit for Bye. We did Bye Bye. My high school did Bye Bye Birdie as like the musical. So uh-huh. I played the cello in the pit for it. Wow. Bonafides. Yeah. I guess we'll have to do it. You'd probably hate it, but I love it. I oh, like I... it. Our our high school did it the year before. Uh, yeah, the year before I got in high school. It's probably will be one of those things like because I have my pre pre notions about it, and then it'll probably be like, oh, that's bye bye birdie. I... Mm-hmm. So it would, it would probably be interesting. It would probably be like what I thought like Tommy was. And then it'd be like, wait, this is And there's Tommy? nobody that can know what Tommy is. This uh-huh. is that's impossible. Except I don't, uh, yeah, man. She also was very famous because she was in Viva Las Vegas with Elvis Presley. And I believe they had a thing going on as yeah. well. She and Mr. Presley had a thing going on. <laughs> Did you, there's a, I watched a video of her and Tina Turner, Tina Turner, Tina Turner performing <laughs> together. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Like a 10 minute, yeah. Cause she had the Anne Margaret show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. And there's a video of them performing together. A bunch of Tina Turner songs is fun. They did fun well, dance moves. I'm going to have to look it up. She fell off the stage in a live performance. And messed up her face. Had to oh. have a lot of reconstruction on her jaw and stuff. She but, she did full Carrie Underwood. Yeah, 
But I guess Carrie Underwood didn't do it on stage. Oh, okay. I don't think. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Look at that. Just, I mean, that is a, that is a performer leaving it all, literally all out on the stage. Yeah, that's right. She was also in Grumpy Old Men and the sequel, and she's been in tons of stuff. She's still with us, still acting. She's got a, she was in like one of those, um, like book club type movies. Yeah. Yeah. The old ladies getting together. Mm -hmm. We have Oliver Reed, who I want to do more Oliver Reed movies. Because this was guy, he the uncle or the yeah, he was Uncle Frank. He was oh, Frank Hobbs. Yeah, he was in Oliver, the Devils. He had a reputation of of just really liking the drink and going on talk shows and stuff. And so then Ridley Scott was like, "Hey, being Gladiator," and so he went over to Malta and he promised Ridley Scott that he would not drink. Oh. Um during during the week but then he and he would like let off steam on the weekend and one weekend in the middle of shooting gladiator um some servicemen some sailors were on leave and they saw oliver reed and they they challenged my man to a drinking contest and he out drank them and then decided that he was going to arm wrestle them and he went to arm wrestle them and my man had a heart attack. His heart was like, time out. That's it. We're done. So he passed away. So what you see in Gladiator, they had to then like, cobble things together and stuff. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's his last film. We have Roger Daltrey as Tommy Walker. He was also in Listomania, The Legacy. He showed up on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and he's also been in CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Mm. We have Elton John as the pinball wizard. Mm-hmm. He was in Born to Boogie, which was a Mark Bolin T-Rex concert film. Oh. He was in The Road to El Dorado. He was the narrator, and he was also in Spice World. He sure was. Ooh. We haven't done Spice World. No, we, we haven't. Have Are we able to watch Spice World? Oh, well, I have the VHF, so I can send it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we will be doing old school guy with the bushes. I will, we will be sending by telegram. Really like the movie. Stop. <laughs> we have Tina Turner as the acid queen. She was also in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh. She was also in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And she was also in The Last Action Hero. This was her first film, though. Oh, nice. We have Eric Clapton as the preacher. He was in Blues Mm. Brothers 2000. He wrote the score for Rush. Um... In 2004, he released Me and Mr. Johnson, where he did covers of Robert Johnson and Nerd Alert. So that's kind of, I knew Eric Clapton of like this guy. He played guitar, got into like some cocaine. And then he had a four-year-old son named Connor who fell out of a 53, 53rd floor window and died in 1991 and wrote the song Tears in Heaven. Oh, like, that's what. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, can't to it without I know. Yeah. So and he was in this because I'm sorry. Um, Pete Townsend had gotten him off heroin. He was severely into heroin. So Eric Clapton was. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. let's just okay. Let's all like just put a pin on that because Eric Clapton is our cast. So, yeah. Well, he he didn't yeah, have we'll it easy. It. I know, but yeah, I read yeah. his autobiography. Okay, so you you can maybe point because I know I'm, I'm I'm going on the man. We oh, I don't know anything about him. Interesting. I can't wait well, to hear. In, I mean, at this point in time, sounds like it ain't going to be great. So people would yell, "Clapton is God." Yeah, the way he could play the guitar. Mm-hmm. So well, is just... that why he played the preacher? And and have a um, an affair with George Harrison's wife. That's who Layla is about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll get to it. Keith Moon as Uncle Ernie. He played um, Keith Moon was <laughs> Uncle Ernie. Keith Moon was a super influential drummer. That was the first thing that I heard when I was listening to this. I was like, oh, yeah, that is Keith Moon. Because he was just all about, not all about, but he loved to just throw in fills. And that's why I don't want to drum like Keith Moon, but I admire him because fill, fills are my my Achilles heel when it comes mm. to drumming. And this guy, I'm just like, look at him. He's just doing all these like fills. So I really like listening to it and hearing like all the fills. Keith Moon, he died at 32. Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was really into the alcohol and it was really bad. And his actual, his death was because of, he overdosed on an alcohol withdrawal medication that was oh, prescribed wow. to him. He he was under this medication that all everybody that I've read was like, there's no way that this guy should like you are only supposed to be given this medication when you are under doctor's orders. Like mm-hmm. you are someplace where they can monitor you because it is um, it's very easy to build up a tolerance and it's very easy to get addicted. And it's basically he must have found the one doctor who didn't know that the man that they were prescribing, you saw him as Keith Moon, but everybody else knew him as his nickname, Moon the Loon. I, he had such a reputation that apparently, allegedly, he's the inspiration for the Muppets animal. It's just, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's Keith Moon. Yeah. Well, we they have, were doing a lot more than alcohol back in the day. I'm just yeah, but that was, he was... um he definitely had a bad problem with it. And 32 is, ooh. Yeah. That's burning bright and fast. That's, um, But it's so crazy because he's still, like, considered one of the greatest rock drummers of all time. It's crazy. We have Jack Nicholson as the specialist slash Dr. A. Quaxin. He was in Easy Rider, Chinatown, and The Shining. And we have Robert Powell as... And I heard that he wasn't supposed to be in this. It was because mm-hmm. somebody else couldn't be in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, probably. I have, like, in Tasty Titties, mm. he said that he... He... I guess somebody... I don't know if I have who backed out of it, but they asked him if he wanted to be in it, and he said that he really liked some of Ken Russell's movies that he loved some of Ken Russell's movies and he hated some of Ken Russell's movies. And so he was very excited to figure out what made this man's mind tick. Cause he, mm. well, <laughs> he, I don't know if this was going to be the answer that made it help him figure it out. So. Right. And we have Robert Powell as captain Walker. He was in Mahler. He played 
that man with those cheekbones played Jesus and Jesus of Nazareth. Hmm. And he was also in the Italian job. You know what kept coming up to me as like recommended to also watch was Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, if you're into rock opera. I've never seen that either. Oh, I was in it. <laughs> Were you Mary Magdalene? No, I played both a leper and a disciple. Wow. At different parts. Look at you. And at the at the Last Supper, I was the last one at the table. So we used real bread. So at the end of I and we it was like uh so like the set we I we were on tour. And in a touring company of in a touring company of Jesus Christ Superstar. I came all the way up to New York, New York City. And we built the set was built out of scaffolding. It was like an industrial take on it. So we wore Dickie's jumpsuits. We all wore Dickie's jumpsuits. (gasps) And all the disciples did. And so at the end of the Last Supper, I always had the rest of the bread because like everybody just takes a piece so i always had the rest of the bread shoved in my pocket <laughs> yeah Does anybody we need a crust? blue dickies jumpsuits for um disciples and the lepers had white dickies jumpsuits on oh nice yeah how old were you when was this i must have been in middle school wow a star amongst us yeah right playing an extra we have there are no small parts only small <laughs> players <laughs> and we have pete townsend john entwistle they uh basically were themselves like they popped up in the background as the band pete townsend acted as the narrator during amazing journey sally simpson and sensation and Townsend's brother, Simon Townsend, narrates during Extra Extra Interludes. And those are the particulars. Well, I am going to attempt to set the table. Good luck, because what a journey this film takes you on. Yeah. The movie starts with Tommy on a mountain with the rising or setting sun behind him. No, that's his dad. That's Captain Walker. Was it? Yeah. Um, Then it cuts to a couple very much in love. And then we cut to bombing and the man is in a uniform boarding a train. So it's obvious this is World War II England during the Blitz. He is a pilot who is shot down and presumed dead. Anytime you're presumed dead in a movie, don't count. In a movie or a soap opera. Oh, yeah. How many times can you be? presumed dead the woman is preggers with tommy the war ends and tommy is born the same day that it is um the war ends mom and nine-year-old tommy go to a seaside resort where no it must be a six-year-old tommy where mom and frank begin a relationship they all go home and dad comes back finding his wife and frank in bed Frank kills the dad and tells Tommy he didn't see or hear anything and never to speak of it again. What could go wrong? <laughs> so much. Um, and that's just a tiny bit. It's like the first 15 <laughs> minutes, basically, of the film. Yeah. 
It's wild. The first six minutes are like, but I was in. I was they, in. They had me. They had me, and I have a new catchphrase for it. But Ooh. it would be in my reheatables. Alrighty then. Well, we're to people of color. Now, I said one, obviously Tina Turner, which is the reason we're doing this film. In those crowd scenes, did you see anyone of color? There were a lot of crowd scenes. I didn't, but I did see there were I saw a black man in a wheel a black person who person. uses a wheelchair. And I saw I thought a black woman who uses a wheelchair. I didn't really see in the crowd scenes any, and but there were multiple people who use wheelchairs and differently abled. Yes, yes. And not in a, um, okay, we'll talk about that later, but it wasn't in a gratuitous manner, I didn't feel. They were in a church to be healed. Yeah. All right, it was the Church of Marilyn Monroe, but th- still, I mean, hey, hey, hey. do what you got to do. Religious freedoms and whatnot. So we are to cast. Does anyone else have any? Oh, I, there's a lot, but I'll let you take it away. Okay. I just kind of just narrowed it down to this because, so this was me in 2019 when I would hear Eric Clapton or Eric Clapton would come up. I would think Robert Johnson, cocaine, hell of a guitarist, tears in heaven. And then in 2020, when I heard about Eric Clapton, it became, wait, what? No. Oh. Oh, man. Damn. Yeah. So there's an article. Because in 2020, so that was during the pandemic, and he was coming out with his, he was against the lockdowns and all of that. And I was like, wait, where's this coming from? And then people were like, wait, haven't you been paying attention? Oh, you don't know? And so this is what I didn't know about. There's an article called that I got this from by Allison Rapp called When Eric Clapton's Bigoted 1976 Rant Sparked Rock Against Racism. So this is what happened. Picture it. Birmingham, UK. August 5th, 1976, and Eric Clapton gets on stage, and he is visibly drunk. Eric supporting this guy named Enoch Powell, who is a conservative right-wing British politician known for his anti-immigration views. Eric asks if there are any foreigners present. And quote, I don't want you here in the room or in my country. Listen to me, man. I think we should vote for Enoch Powell. Enoch's our man. I think Enoch's right. I think we should send them all back. Enoch, in 1968, made a famous speech, I guess, called Rivers of Blood that implied immigrants arriving to the UK were doing so, quote, with a view to exercise of actual domination first over fellow immigrants, then over the rest of the population. Oh, Lord. Then Eric continues on stage and says, quote, oh, this is where at the point where I'm reading this, where I'm like, Eric, and then I add parenthetically, 
Eric, I've made more money than Robert Johnson, Sunhouse, Buddy Guy, Chuck Berry, John Lee Hooker, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Muddy Waters, all combined, ever made. Fixed his lips to say this. This van. (laughs) Quote, stop Britain from becoming a black colony. Get the foreigners out. Get the wogs out. Get the coons out. Keep Britain white. Now, I was like, what's a wog? A wog is slang, or not, it's not slang. It's a racial slur in Britain for a person who is not white. It's usually a dark-skinned Middle East, North African, Indian subcontinent, and other parts of the Asian East Indies. It's not meant for Mediterranean area or Southern Europe. Mm, Okay. You know, it's basically you're not white. You're not a, as I guess he would say, a coon. You're you're too light to be a coon. So you're a wog, I guess, Mm -hmm. in according to Mr. Clapton. So I'm like, all right, I know that I know that he had a really hard time with drugs. Maybe he was on drugs. (laughs) And he says, quote, I used to be into dope. Now I'm into racism. Uh, much- <laughs> what? He said yeah. that? Yeah. And this was in 1978? Um, it's 76. Eight, no, it's 1976. So a nice, nice year after he, he, uh, my man shows up in this film. He says, uh, I, used to be, it's, uh, I used to be into dope. Now I'm into racism. It's much heavier, man. Fucking wogs, man. Fucking Saudis taking over London. Bastard wogs. Britain is overcrowded and Enoch will stop it and send them all back. The black wogs and the coons and the Arabs and the fucking Jamaicans and the fucking don't belong here. We don't want them here. This is England. This is a white country. We don't want any black wogs and coons living here. We need to make it clear to them that they are not welcome. England is for white people, man. We are a white country. I don't want fucking wogs living next to me with their standards. This is Great Britain, a white country. What is happening to us for fuck's sake? So that's what my man said. And that started in 1976, this movement called Rock Against Racism. And they would go around and have carnivals and tours. And it really laid the foundation for what would come out of that is really the punk movement and punk music. Because a lot of the punks got their start going around to this because they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. What is this? So the founders wrote an open letter to him and basically said, quote, come on, Eric, own up. Half your music is black. I parenthetically add half. (laughs) He stole like 100% is. And then they said this, you're rock music's biggest colonist. Oh, (laughs) shit. And then they concluded their open letter to Eric, um, referencing his number one cover of one Bob Marley, I Shot the Sheriff. And they ended it with this. They said, quote, P.S., who shot the sheriff, Eric? It sure as hell wasn't you. And it's like, he, 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 he. And so then you're like, oh, it's 1976. Okay, so did he? I mean, obviously my man didn't get canceled, but like, oh, yeah, like canceling wasn't like as 
Right. Well, it's it's proof that canceling doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> they this guy is proof of that. So in nineteen in October nineteen seventy six, he has this quote quote I thought it was quite funny actually. I don't know much about politics. I just don't know what came over me that night. So I don't hear no, no an apology. No. no, it's a silly little thing. In two thousand four, what did he say? Now he's had some time. What kind? It's, what, what kind of an is he an ally? Because what, what did, what's he gonna say? Maybe he had He's, a change of heart. Right. People learn. They grow. You can grow. You know. I'm not who I was then. You know. You, it can happen. 2004. He says, "Quote: There's no way I could be a racist." And already, I'm like, "Oh my god." Okay. Yep. That's usually like I've never heard anybody but a racist say that. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my best friends are black. Hey. Yeah. Quit taking it. <laughs> he says, there's no way I could be a racist. It would make no sense. But his opinions on immigration and po- uh, the immigration policies, those didn't change. So then in 2018, what did he say? He said, quote, I was so ashamed of who I was. A kind of semi-racist, which didn't make sense. Half of my friends were black. I dated a black woman. And I champion black music. He says, quote, I'm not excusing myself. It was an awful thing to do. And then he says, I think it's funny, actually. He thinks it's funny because uh, his ass laughed his way all the way to the bank. Right. My God, the caucasity. Yes. Yes. Perfect place to drop caucasity. He was born to who he grew up thinking was his sister. And it wasn't until he was uh, older that he found out his sister was actually his mother. His grandparents took him in. I'm your mother and your sister. Yeah, but the same thing. Yes, yes. That was in Chinatown, and also it wasn't that with Jack Nicholson, but I don't remember him being drunk and saying... I'm not not (laughs) saying... not giving him a pass. I'm just saying that, and that really um, messed him up for a long time. But there's no excuse for that kind of racism. I mean, like, his whole bag, his, literally that man's whole bag is about... That's why I, I was blown away, because I, in the early 2000s, like, when Robert Johnson came, like, like that mm-hmm. thing... That's who. That's how I found out about Robert Johnson, and then that's mm-hmm. how I found out about Sun House. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Oh wow!" I had no idea until fast forward twenty. I was like, "Wait, he said what?" And like, everybody is just like, "Let it slide," and like, he never was. Oh, I don't know. I maybe. I didn't really look into it a whole bunch. Maybe he's done fantastic philanthropic things, but I haven't. I think he, this man has just skated and made so much too. money. Yeah. Because he said in his autobiography, he would listen to the um, old black guitar players and, and steal their, he didn't say steal their stuff, but he would, you know, practice to it and mimic it. Yeah, and he has made so much money. He has made more money than all of those people that I listed combined. And then he has, and he was on like a, um, like in a Jamaican, um, I forget like what band, it's like a really big Jamaican band in a documentary with them, all of that. And he's like saying these things about Jamaicans. And I would just like to say, 
the reason that so many people were immigrating, emigrating, were going to the UK. They were leaving places that the UK had colonized. Right. Like, it wasn't a, oh. And so, like, for you, for people to be mad and be like, keep Britain white, then you should have kept your ass home. But no, you wanted greed and you wanted to export all the minerals and you wanted to say, oh, no, but but you're part of the British Empire. Only when you stay there. Right. When you come here, because we've just stripped all of your resources mm-hmm. and all of your economy, and so you need want to go looking for a better life. So you're like, hey, I'm Britain. I can well, let me go to yeah. Britain. No, My money can't. has the queen on it. I'm going to go where the queen lives. You thought. No. So I'm just, I mean... He is... Uh, He's up I, for fuckboy of the year. I, I thought so, too. I think so, too. Very disappointing, Eric. Very disappointing. Um, uh, Christine, any others? No. Okay. (laughs) We are to nerd alerts, and I have one. So my nerd alert is, what is a rock opera? Mm, That's a great one. You're welcome. Uh, A rock opera is a collection of rock songs with lyrics relating to a common story. The first rock opera was in 1968 called Sorrow. Mm. So um, they did their album in 1969, I think. And so um, it was right after that. And the album was was opera. And then it was a few years later that they decided to make the film. The, the, the Who Tommy album was opera the rock opera and then they right. decide got it got it that's it mm. i have a nerd alert about i think it's a nerd alert it's gonna be one now okay <laughs> yes. yes um so there's a there's a podcast oh shit <laughs> it's called something and they each season is a different like rock band or like band so like they there was once there's one season all about the who and it's like each um episode is like the who these years or the who these years or like some of them they talk about um oh it's called discography oh nice um I'm just pulling up. So right now season four is Black Sabbath. So you have four seasons. Um Frank Zappa, Black Sabbath, The Who, and Janet Jackson. Oh wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Season two is Janet Jackson. So um I listened to that. The, just one episode of it and they were talking about how pete townsend mm-hmm. got really into mayor baba mm-hmm. and mayor baba was an indian spiritual master who said he was the avatar or god in human form of the age He had a following of hundreds of thousands of people, mostly in India, but a significant number in the United States, Europe, and Australia. 
And um, he taught that the goal of all beings was to gain consciousness of their own divinity and to realize the absolute oneness of God. At the age of 19, Mayor Baba began a seven-year period of spiritual transformation during which he had encounters with all of these names of people that I don't know who any of them are. Um, and then in 1925, he began a 44-year period of observed silence during which he communicated first using an alphabet board and by 1954 entirely through hand gestures using an interpreter. Um, he died in 1969, but that's kind of where they got the idea of Tommy. Um, and there was this, oh shoot. Oh shoot, here it is. Um, so there was that. And then also Pete Townsend had like a near-death experience from LSD that led mm. to him quitting hallucinogens and psychedelic drugs completely. And he was on an airplane. Mm -hmm. So in 1967, he began, Townsend began a spiritual journey, quickly absorbing all of Mayor Baba's writings that he could find. And soon after, he became an official discipline. With the aid of religion and a few hallucinogens he had experimented with, Townsend created a story inspired by Baba and his teachings of enlightenment that eventually turned into the band's rock opera, Tommy. Um, the, and this during the height of Summer of Love shenanigans, um, he was taking part in all of that. So it's his fourth time trying LSD. And um, they, the Who had just performed their iconic set at Monterey Pop Festival in 1967. And the band, along with his wife, Karen, boarded their plane back to London. When they settled in, large purple pills were passed around by band members, Keith Moon and John Entwistle. What are those, Ma, the purple pills? I'm not sure, but it <laughs> is a, there, there were several, um, layers of uh, hallucinogens so um i'm not sure it it sounds like it was lsd it was probably lsd um so <laughs> lead singer roger daltrey and intwistle declined the pills but moon grabbed one he sounds like he's just like to party and mm -hmm. um townsend was like you should i don't want you to do this alone so he and his wife split one Oh, and that's when things turn things turn strange. She's after thirty minutes, the air hostess, whose turned up nose had made her look like a little porcine, 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 porcupine. It says p o r c i n e. That must be a a British word, and yeah. transmogrified into a real pig. Oh so the flight gosh. attendant turned into a pig, scurrying up and down the aisle, snorting. The air was full of faint music. I finally traced the sound to the armrest of my seat. After putting on a headset, I felt I could hear every outlet on the plane at the same time. Rock, jazz, classical comedy, Broadway tunes, and country and Western competed for dominance over my brain. And um, everyone else was unfazed, but he continued to spiral. And he, he said, I heard a female voice gently saying, you have to go back. You cannot stay here. And he said, but I'm terrified. If I go back, I feel as if I'll die. And she said, you won't die. You cannot stay here. And as I drifted back down towards my body, I began to feel the effects of LSD kicking back in. The worst seemed to be over. As I settled into the experience, though extreme, it felt more like my few trips of old. 
everything saturated by wonderful color and sound. Karen looked like an angel. Um, after this experience, he delved further into his religion. He wrote an article for Rolling Stone magazine in 1970 saying that because of Baba's teachings, he was opposed to the use of all psychedelic drugs. Um, and this made him one of the first countercultural rock stars to turn against, to turn against the use of drugs. Um, something he would later go back on in his struggle with harder substances in the eighties. Um, but it talks about the who playing a massive part in popularizing the revolution, but there's a documentary on Amazon called sensation. And it's about, it's about the, Tommy, the album and he's like like they interview him and he's like i literally came i literally felt i was not in my body like my soul it made me realize my soul was not a part of my body and i could see myself i was up above the airplane or like at the ceiling of the airplane like looking at myself that sounds terrible absolutely terrible to me adam was like that sounds fun um i've had that happen you know, I, <laughs> like, anything. I was no. a little kid i was five years old and it happened to me don't go sober. Wait, when was this? I was just in my bed, and I and it was, and then I was like outside of my body, and I was looking at my hand, and I was like, oh, I don't. And it was like this. It was only years later when I would like read about it, like like of presence and being and stuff, because I had it, and it was like so calming and stuff. And I was like outside of my body, but like Ooh. still inside of my body. But I was like looking down, and it was this whole, and I could. For like a couple, I don't know the time after that, but I could like look at my hand and conjure up like the warmest feeling ever inside of like just everything's going to be all right. It was this weird thing of like, I'm not like I'm not my body, but I am my body, but I'm not. There's something outside of me. It, it, and it, yeah, it was really weird. It wasn't until like many years later of like reading about presence and your soul and stuff that it kind of like that whole thing made sense to me. And I was like, Oh, that's what it was weird. But I wasn't, mm. unless you secretly doubt well, me the purple something. pills. Oops. Thought that was children's Tylenol. Yeah. Well, it was just like a little thing. And it, it, the closest I've ever gotten back to it is like, you know, meditating and, and that kind of thing. But it, I always remember it was a really weird like just a really weird experience, but also like awesome. Did you tell your mother about that? No, because how would I, even at like at five years old, how would I explain that? Yeah. Wow. Like I can hardly explain it now. Where it's so, like, look at your face now. You're like, what? Yeah. But I had an, uh, so I just thought that was interesting that that all yes. up, that was all going on leading up to this movie. And yes. or and the the album, I guess. But I had a, I took summer like I took summer classes one time in college to like get an extra credit in or something. And I took this class. It's like the only college class I could ever. I don't know. I hate school. I like. I'm not <laughs> like. It, I was never like. Ooh, I remember this teach. I mean, like I just don't. I don't know. I just was not engaged. I'm not good at like people that really loved college like. I don't use any of it. I but... loved college, but not the class. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, um, I was a film major, so I liked my classes. Yeah, but of it course. Was, I was a film major. <laughs> well, I had a music minor, so those classes were fun. And I took mm -hmm. this one class called The Psychedelic Experience. 
And my teacher was blind and he was hilarious. And uh, the teacher, I guess the professor, whatever. So like the first day of class, he came in and he would just play jokes on everybody. He was like, all right, raise your hand if this or the other. And then he laughed at everybody. He's like, I can't see you. Um, (laughs) But it was a really fun class. And they talked about like all it, it was focused on like bands of this era and like um he talked about drugs and he talked about like his experience with psychedelic drugs it was a wild class i don't know if he still is a professor there so if you go to unc chapel hill take the psychedelic experience um but we had to do a project and you had to listen to like you had to take a band that we talked about within the class and then do like compare it to a current Mm. band I can't remember. I think I did the Velvet Underground and the Flaming Lips. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's I'm done with my nerd alert. Now I'm just talking. So we can oh. move on to whoever's next. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, it was very of this movie. So, Aaron, nerd alerts. Okay. So this movie came out March 1975. So, 1975, Portugal announces it will grant independence to Angola on November 11th, 1975. How nice. Mm-hmm. Angola is a coastal country in Southwest Africa. Uh, Angola, I mean, Portugal had a presence in Angola since 1484. I'm sure they did. Why? Well, Angola is rich in oil and natural gas and arable land, which can be used for coffee, bananas, and cassava. They also have iron ore and mag- manganese mm-hmm. and tin and diamonds. Mm-hmm. And so... It's rather dime, judgmental. Dime? Well, it was like diamonds. I meant it to be... In my head, it was like a diamonds, darling. And it, it wasn't hard to get to. It was right off the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And so... so um, up until that time, um, you know, when they were under the colonial rule of the Portuguese, the, of course, the, um, the Angolan people were always trying to fight for their independence. So they had different factions that were trying to go about that. And so in 1975, when the Portuguese were like, okay, fine, here's your independence. The country sadly then went into a civil war from 1975 and it didn't end until about 2002 so and i'm sure that they're like see we gave them their freedom but meanwhile they they just don't know how to handle it i mean maybe it has something to do with y'all being like since 1484 just just going about and it's you know i mean angola was a major and it's portuguese and portugal and you know major atlantic part of the atlantic's slave trade so that was 1975 I just thought it's wild in 1975 Margaret Thatcher becomes Britain's first female leader of any political party um to which I say to Eric Margaret Thatcher's too liberal for you (laughs) wow yeah wow um, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, known as OPAC, OPEC, raises crude okay. oil prices by 10%. So uh-huh. we're getting into the old 
energy yeah. crisis. Yeah, the odd and even gas station days. And then it's finally like Watergate's winding down because people are getting sentenced to jail for their role. Um, but to this day, no one is really sure why they were breaking into the Democratic headquarters. Because <laughs> it wasn't a tight race, sadly. I looked it up and mm-hmm. George McGovern won Massachusetts and the District of Columbia. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Nixon won in a landslide. And for and so it's it's just crazy. But I think the lesson, the real lesson to be learned from it is that they were like, oh, just don't give up. Just just hold the line and just say no. Nuh-uh. We didn't do that. You can't prove it. Make us. Make so what? Make us, you know? And that, I think that's the lesson of because you know that like today they would just be like ah oh, it's nothing it wouldn't oh, be yeah. wouldn't be a scandal or anything oh. it was it was just wild like this whole thing that they got caught breaking into the office and like why you're gonna win yeah and then it like takes down your whole presidency but thank god it did yeah because that's something that that like the like nixon and reagan and stuff and you know, you'll have your, your if you're on the differing political aisles and stuff. But if you're like a person of color or a woman and stuff, like really look into what Nixon and Reagan did, and you see that they were just doing the most insidious things quietly, mm-hmm. just didn't talk about it, just didn't say it. And now you you have they're basically doing the same things that these buffoons are doing out loud, but saying it. They're saying the quiet part loud now. And back in the day, they were doing the same thing. They were just very hush-hush and quiet about it, which made people like, okay, we can tolerate that. And I think there's a sizable... That's the the scary part, is the sizable population that is just like, just keep doing what you're doing, but just don't be so loud about it. And people would be much more inclined to, you know... They would win in a landslide mm-hmm. like Nixon. <laughs> well, something else of note happened in 1975. 1975. 19. 19- oh, on October 25th. Yes. Well, but this is only going up through March. Oh, oh sorry about it. So. Never mind. You were in your. You were. You were being bridezilla, frantically planning. Your big <laughs> bridal soiree, your big nuptials, yeah. the 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 cotillion of blue ash. Wow, my wedding compared to any of these today, is, it 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 got it done. It got the job done. So the top uh, five films of 1975 were The Return of the Pink Panther, Dog Day Afternoon, uh, Shampoo, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Jaws. And the Oscars nominated Best Pictures were Nashville, Jaws, Dog Day Afternoon, Barry Lyndon, and the winner, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. That had a profound impact on me. You don't? Why? Uh, because it was, um, it was an, um, a place where people 
who were mentally um, deficient. Ment mm. Uh, it's not oh, deficient, no. but mentally uh, on a different plane would, would be put. And in order to make them comply, they would give them the... Um, Oh, the lobotomies. Yeah, the lobotomies and so, and and as a as a new special education teacher at that time, I was mm. like, it's we want we want all these kids to conform to what's normal, but nobody's normal. So we're kind of doing that to them, like taking away what's special with them and making them sit in a chair all day, even though that just you know yeah so. but then it's interesting because i mean then like now we don't even there isn't anything it's just there aren't any mental health services right right so well but the mental health services in this place were horrid yes. i mean yeah but yeah it's okay. like yeah we could do better yeah but but we choose not to. Um, so we are to reheatables. Mm -hmm. So my first negative reheatable is Frank. Frank was a dick. <laughs> Frank was a jerk. I couldn't stand Frank. There was nothing appealing about him at all. I, I, I don't know. I know he was a jerk and all of these things, but I was like, he's so good at being a jerk. I was, That's why I wanted to see much more of like, this guy is, he's so good at being a villain. I want to know what other villainy things he's done. The next one I almost texted you about to be aware of, but I was like, hey, nobody, nobody, oh, nobody oh, worried. Yeah. Hey, guess what? I, I did not look away until the very end. I was practicing my, um, what is it called? Like, you know, when you're like exposure and I was just exposure like, okay, therapy. yep. I'm like, okay. You're fine. You are safe. You are also mm. slightly concussed. So <laughs> <laughs> that might have helped. Yeah, it so and it disgusting. wasn't. It wasn't until oh. like the very end when it was like the big one in the crotch area that I was like, I'm out. I yeah. I, I, I hit yeah. my limit. I did look away. Okay, we're talking about snakes in a skeleton. Um, we didn't need to go there. It didn't need to go that far. And my, it was like, it was a lot of, I mean, this whole thing was, you know, same imagery. Excesses. Yeah. Excess. Yeah. Uh, my next one is beans, uh, pork and beans. I don't understand the British who eat pork and maybe it's not pork and maybe it's just canned beans for breakfast on toast. And I was all in with Anne Margaret with the soap suds coming out and she's doing this whole psychedelic thing. But when the baked beans came out, it, it got, and then the chocolate sauce came out and I'm going, is that chocolate sauce? Are they trying to say that's poop? Well, also I learned that fun. the Who did a, a song for Heinz baked beans in 1967. Like, yeah, they, they had a whole album called the Who Sell Out, right? Right, yeah. right. Exactly. Because, yeah. And there was some other uh, product placement that they did one for. So those were my negatives. Um, yeah, I didn't really write a lot down because I was just like, what am I watching? Yeah. <laughs> but I wrote child abuse, 
Um, yes. Gaslighting. He's like, you tried yes. to tell this kid he didn't see something that he did. Um, leaving kids with just anyone, especially when you're already questioning, like, do you think it's okay? To you leave know it's not. You know Tommy it's with not. with so-and-so. And then they were just like, yeah, it's fine. Um, and that's all I wrote. That's all she wrote. That's a that's a good if you have to say, do you think it's okay to leave so and so with so and so? Like then, then probably yeah. Not. Yeah. I have <laughs> Captain Walker is alive and my man just showed up unannounced. Yeah. They couldn't have sent the telegram lady back right. and sorry. And like the- in the middle of the night. Yes, all creepy with his creepy cheekbones. And he's just, there's no, no sorry for the inconvenience. Your husband's alive, our bad. Keep calm and carry on while we make it more presentable for you. Nothing. And I read Ma that it had been five years. Oh, okay. So that's five. Because I'm like, how old is Tommy? Like, he's he's old enough to be able to sing and, and like, have a conversation. So it, some time has passed. Uh-huh. And you couldn't, you couldn't communicate that, hey... <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. I, what did you think, my man? What did you think you were coming home to? And then I was like, I went soap opera route, and I was like, wait, amnesia? But then still, wouldn't you, wouldn't you ring? Right, right. Well, some somebody should have contacted them. But this was after World War II. That might not. That might have happened more frequently than we think. You can't write a letter. I would think that there'd be something. Because they were still in the same exactly. place. So. His key still worked. He still yeah. had a key. Yeah, that's true. Well, just a well lot, a we're not trying to make sense out of any of this. I, yes, I know. I'm with Teeny. Frank, what an asshole. You killed the kid's father in front of him and then made him mute, deaf, and blind. And then you're having him shoot down planes in an arcade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The whole time... Go ahead, TD. I was just going to say, I forgot my other negative reheatable is, what did they do with the body? Yes! That's they what never showed what they did with the no, body! They didn't. It made me wonder if they never reported it, and mm-hmm. then maybe they could get away with it, because, again, they, nobody knew that he was... Yeah, mm-hmm, they you know? never reported it, for sure. Yeah. Which, which brought me to... I thought that Tommy was really lucky that Frank didn't kill him. Because well, he was those the witness. Right. He was the one loose end. Yeah. And then they went to a lot of oh, work yeah. at the end trying to cure him. And I'm going, why are you guys trying why? to cure him? Yeah, yeah exactly. you know what's going to happen. And you know why he's the way he is. Why are you trying to cure him? You he didn't. didn't ever, he didn't ever tell on them. No, because he, they got lucky and he had found enlightenment. Yeah, he had moved on. Mm-hmm. He was in the present now. The past was the past. Oh, man. Again, poor Tommy. He's tortured by the school. You're just leaving him with the school. But it made me laugh. The way he said on the school, bully, didn't <laughs> sound very bully-ish. But. And then this was my, this was pretty much my catchphrase for this entire film. Started with at the beginning but the whole i this is me literal the soundtrack wait what 
wait, what? There was a lot of like having to oh. rewind because I was See, like, wait, what? No, I didn't rewind anything. I just went I with did. it. I did. Wait, what? And then I just went with it also. The oh my god, fiddled about the whole fiddled about business. Oh yeah, just molestation. And then mm-hmm. at the end, the the burning of the Gay Times newspaper, thus equating homosexuality with raping people who can't give consent. I was just, what? Are, what are we doing? Oh my God, Tommy. Well, and apparently that came from Pete Townsend's childhood. Ooh. He said that he, but he doesn't fully remember. So I think also, like, I think also Tommy might not fully remember what happened, what he saw or what happened. Cause it's like, when you go through something so traumatic, a lot of people don't. Um, so Repressed he, memory. Yeah. And Pete Townsend said he doesn't fully remember, but he was abused between the ages of four and five and a half. And he says he just knows he was with his grandmother. And he said, I just know that some weird shit went down. Wow. But so that also maybe Tommy doesn't remember what he saw. Yeah. Like he repressed that memory. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a a lot older and he was probably, I look at us going to disassociating and yeah. But, yeah, I just, I was just like, but the whole thing about burning up the gay times, because it's like, okay, the uncle's gay, but that whole thing, because we're seeing it today mm-hmm. still, that it's, it's mm-hmm. just disgusting. So I was just like, wow, that has definitely not aged well. Exactly. Then I had, wait, what? How is playing pinball this lucrative? They just mentioned that they have a million liquid from pinballing? What? I like a pinball game. Oh, then, oh, I have to wait. What the baked beans? That was a thing. It was uh, mm-hmm. Tommy's run. Okay, in the profile, he looked fine, but then you change straight on, and what is with these wasted movements? <laughs> My man, <laughs> you're gonna have ligaments popping out everywhere. What's going on? The, the jip. And the gypsy, yes, 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 that is not slurs. It is a slur, and I didn't realize that until like just a few years ago. Yeah, I didn't either. That to gyp someone, oh, you're saying gypsies, and they are not uh, playing fair, which is I, I did not know that. And the whole, just the whole term gypsies is not. Yeah, that's true. Correct. Um, and then finally. There's only one cover song in this entire movie, and that is the song that oh, I have it in my tasty titties. I believe it's the I I say what I didn't write it down. It's the song is the I the oh, it's the eyesight song that Eric Clapton is singing. So Eric Clapton is singing the only cover song in the film, and that song is written by a black man. Ooh, Eric. Eric, he lives in Columbus, Ohio now. We know where you live. Mm, mm, mm. 
I'm just looking to see if I I I must I guess I didn't write it down. Oh no, Eyesight to the Blind is the only cover song. It was written by Sonny Boy Williamson II, who was an American blues harmonica player, singer, and songwriter. Hmm. Thank so. you for giving him his props. I mm-hmm. also had that the little boy had straight hair and brown eyes. Mm-hmm. And Tommy had extremely blue eyes and curly hair, but that stuff changes. Um, yeah, like eye color. But I was born with a color. My eyes were your color, Teeny. And now look at them. But if you go through a trauma, that can change some things. So I'm just going to say it's because of the trauma he experienced that his hair curled to perfection <laughs> and his eyes changed color. That's going to be my winter haircut. I've I've decided. I made note. My friend Evan said that my hair was so curly because there was too much crazy in my brain. And it <laughs> came out. And it curled my hair. Well, Evan might not be wrong. Completely wrong about that. Okay, so positive reheatables. Roger's hair. I mean, that was iconic iconic back in the day everybody wanted roger daltrey here and then the point where they permed it and it it fried it and such but Mm. my daughter got it um pinball i love pinball i tilt it too much because i get a little aggressive and a pinball machine with a keyboard oh come on now that Poppy would have been a pinball wizard. Oh my God, yes. Um, that little girl, Sally, I think her name was her room when she had posters of Tommy plastered everywhere. That's what my room looked like when I was a kid. I'll but who was did. Tommy? It was just magazine cutouts of like all anything in Tiger, Tiger, Teen Bee, or a lot of the Spice Girls. A lot of the Spice Girls. Nick Carter. Yeah, yep, yep. I have Backstreet Boys in there. In sync, probably. And then in my closet, it was all pictures of the Titanic. <laughs> oh. Oh. Her morbid closet. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I loved the round silver bed. That moment when, yeah, that was fun. I what I about that round bed. chair? Oh, yes, I loved it. I I thought of you when I saw that. I wish I had a round bed. But that seems like it would have to be way too big for two people to have be able to, like, sleep on it. Because then yeah. you'd be like, if you go to the side, your head, your foot's hanging off, your bed's your head's hanging and off. And where would dog Tommy be? Yeah, yeah, and she. That's actually be perfect for dogs, because then they could sleep on the little owl- ovals that you are not. Well, that's true. Oh, they don't but I feel like I, oh, I feel like he would be more of an inside because he wouldn't want he, the edge. Yeah, he doesn't. He poo-poo's the bed now. He he's an independent man. He sleeps oh. in his own. Oh, man he cave. grew up. Oh, he won't get on the couch. He won't get in the bed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then although the other night I got home from work late and Adam had gone to bed and at Mac can't get up and down we, we disassembled his stairs like whatever but he had mac was in the bed adam was sleeping on his back and he had the leash around his wrist and mac was wearing his collar so that he could feel if he tried to make a jump because he'll still Aww. try to make a jump for it oh 
Um, and then I, although I'm not smart enough to get all of them, I appreciated the metaphors. Mm, so many. It's a lot of metaphors. Many I didn't get myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate it from afar, though. Yeah. There had to be metaphors in there. There had to be a reason There's for some so of them. There's so many. Shit. Let's hope there were metaphors. I don't know. I think I listed some of them. Um, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Yes. I had like the whole beginning. It was com- it was like a silent film. It was show don't mm-hmm. tell. Like they teach us. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, this couple really loves nature. Yeah, they were really loving nature. And then I I got into the wait, what? Because they were playing Jane Austen. They went from nature and being really nature people. I'm like, oh, look at this. This is the 70s and stuff. And then I was like, wait, what? Now they're all like Jane Austen and and in suits and in a ball gown. And then I go, wait, what? The town is burning while they're playing Jane Austen? Yeah. What is going on? And then I was like, oh, no, this is bombing. They're taking a mental health break during the war. Now he's back to the war. And then she was sleeping in a cage. And then his plane is shot. And then she's making bombs. And those bombs are filled with pinballs and then when she finds out that he's dead and then all the pinballs go around her and I was like ah it's pinball and then when the little boy when he was playing and oh he couldn't see but he really could see he was just choosing not to Mm -hmm. see and the game and then he was doing like all of the pinball stuff and it was the the um the planes were, you know, they would mm-hmm. instantly go to what? What is that? Like a poppy or something that they do? Because they still do it, like to this day. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the, the red with the Flanders black in the field. middle. Yeah, yeah, that's poppies. Yeah, and and they have that, and so they would turn into that, and then the crosses, and then the dad was on the cross and stuff, and then Roger, like you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, Keith Moon's fills just. <laughs> Roger Daltrey's swimmer physique. Yes. Yes. And you mentioned him, and then when he was in that the Acid Queen sequence, and then you see, and I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. This is y'all, y'all got us thinking that this is what Jesus looked like. Because you because that's what he was. He was in the loincloth and he had the, the long hair and the blue eyes, and it's like they go into a lot of churches, and that's who Jesus is. Yeah. And we know that Jesus didn't look like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, Tina Turner as the Acid Queen. She, she was so good, but but like she was scary. Yeah, yeah. And there is like cast about that where I was just like, oh, what? what? And she's playing a lady of the night, but man, she's. I just, of all of the guest appearances, she was by far the best. Oh, I my thought. God. Yeah. She she was just having a blast and having fun and just yeah. the energy level instantly she's went She's like, I like, at first I was like, oh, like the cast with it. But, but also, like, I think she's the only person that could have met that energy. Yes. Yes. Needed. I have a like, tasty titty about that later. Mm. But definitely. Yeah, this was back in Ike time. She was with Ike at this time. So she had some anger to get out. And the character of the Aussie Queen a little ahead of their time. Stumbling on and yet yet onto something with LSD to treat PTSD. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't have the medical background, and and there's a whole, a whole other aspect. That's how it gets it, figured out. Exactly, man. One of the, I think this movie is good because it's just bonkers. It is. I've also I've mentioned all this other stuff. How about here's a hold my beer, and I raise you, hang gliding, bare feet, shirtless into the middle of a rather rugged terrain yes. to stop a biker gang brawl. Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> that actually happens in this film. Yeah, it does. Because I was thinking, 75, were they hand gliding in 75? That was relatively new, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know. They, it was just a wild. It was a wild ride. I thought a great reheatable of this was the whole, like, the whole ending and what it says about religion and worshipping people. Like, his followers. So, in this, Tommy, he he's going through all of these, they, you know, they go to the acid queen because his parents are trying to get him to, to snap out of it. As Cher would say. But they really don't want him to. Exactly, which is a weird thing. So then they tell, take him to, to um, our main man, Jack Nicholson, and he was basically like, look, just put him in front of a mirror. And so then he put him in front of a mirror, and that's when he like discovered that he was a pinball wizard because he was disassociating and stuff. And then his mom gets pissed off at him in like this the baked bean scene that we saw because she's <laughs> like, "We have so much money, and yet my son can't enjoy it because he saw you murder his father yeah, in front yeah. of him." Mm-hmm. So then she gets mad and smashes the mirror, and that causes Tommy to break. And then he snaps out of it and then he is full of enlightenment. And so then he wants to share his enlightenment with the rest of the world, like humanity. Like, look, dude, this is what I did. So then they start selling this merchandise where you like put something in your mouth so you can't speak. You put something over your eyes so you can't see and you put in earplugs so you can't hear. And then you play pinball because that's how Tommy reached his enlightenment. And so the followers are all pumped and they listen to whatever he says and they're forking over all this money. And then they sit and they do it for five minutes and they get pissed because they didn't achieve the enlightenment that Tommy did. Who, I add, went through so much more mm-hmm. than they did. There was so much to it. And it, it was just, it's just, it's funny to me. And then the whole selling of the merch and stuff. I mean, and... It just, I kept thinking of, of the stories that I hear about these Taylor Swift concerts and people chanting mother and the merch. Well, that's lines. what I immediately thought about with the Madonna church. And oh, now I just saw. It was Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. I'm sorry. Yes, it was. Um, I just saw a article today about Taylor Swift fans are experiencing amnesia after going to. Um, her concerts. Hold on, Taylor Swift amnesia, and apparently it's like <laughs> a real thing. I guess Sam Sam Taylor Swift fans are reporting post concert amnesia, and um, it's a real thing. So people are like, oh, there was a Reddit post, and somebody was like, anyone else not remember anything from the concert? <laughs> 
Somebody said pretty much the next day, it felt like I totally forgot everything. And more so now weeks later, like I wasn't actually present for the concert. Um, and I, this doctor said it's a normal process. It's a phenomenon that when one is excited and has a lot of sensations coming in and they're sort of hyper-focused on one thing that they may not be able to process in memory. Um, so they, like people, they have concert amnesia, but it just made, it also made me think of that. Wait until the Beyonce Renaissance tour comes stateside. <laughs> and wait until Blue comes out on stage. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it's wild. So those were my positive rehearsals. I highly suggest that you, you make yourself a nice cocktail and you sit down. Or take three. a nice little hallucinogen. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. It might not. be too much for a hallucinogen. Okay. Maybe a well, you little. You would be the one who knows. So. A little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Because I did think of it and thought. This might be too much because you you need some reality to hold on to, and there was no reality. Maybe a so, nice gummy, maybe half a yeah, gummy. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Very relaxed. Just get relaxed and go with it. Mm. Yeah, but you don't want anything too uh, uh, aggressive. Mm -mm. Okay, quotables. It's all sung. I didn't write down yeah, a single. There's quotable. not like a single spoken no. word. I, I had well I had the one the last week you were like Tommy can you hear me that's that's from whatever you were and I was like no Tommy can you hear me is in Tommy it was well and also I have a dog named Tommy that chooses not to hear me mm -hmm. <laughs> very relatable see you <laughs> oh yeah well, remember that you killed his father hmm. <laughs> But this one, I had to write it down because it made me laugh. Because I was like, man, this is what made me say they are really lucky that that Tommy's really lucky that they that he didn't get killed. Oh, how many times? When they had this quote, but always accused by his empty eyes. <laughs> I was just like, that's a long time to be dealing with an empty-eyed yeah. child. That every time you look at it, you're just reminded of the murder you committed. Right. I would be right. like, oh. He fell down a well. Ooh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> okay. My LVP is Frank. Frank, th there's no reason why she would even be attracted to Frank. Mm, yeah, she just wanted a, a dad for Tommy. Yeah. yeah. She, but like the there. second real dad came back, he was also much more attractive. Yeah. Frank looks like he smelled bad and was constantly sweating. Exactly. And had oily hair. Mm -hmm. Really, and, I don't and, want to be with Frank, but I, I, I appreciated his evil vibes. Yeah, he he was excellent in the yes. He was excellent as being a dick. Just swarmy. Such a swarmy dick. Other LVPs. My LVP is calling deaf people dumb. Mm -hmm. And we did it for so long. I I definitely do believe that, and I one hundred percent. But when it flows in the song, so it, it's 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 kind of tough because it has the alliteration, and it's that that's that's why it's a real tough one because it's like, man, that deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. It doesn't have the yeah. same ring as that. Deaf, mute, and blind kid. But you know what? I would be willing to go with the mute for the sake of progress. But I understand yeah. 
And I, people, I mean, and people refer to people as dumb because that's how they see, they think they're dumb. But just because somebody isn't speaking or hearing or whatever doesn't mean they're stupid. Yeah, totally. They might be the smartest of all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if you choose not to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, persona. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up when we stopped using it. I know. I was trying to find it too, but all I could really find is like the reason, like you know. Okay. And it, it, I mean, it, you could argue that the the person singing oh. the song would be someone who would refer to them as. Oh yes. Uh, you know, they would be yes. uncouth. So. Right. Yeah. It yeah, is. I'm not finding it either. Okay. Um, so is it me? Mm-hmm. I have honorable mention Tommy's dad. I mean, again, not a peep from you that you are alive. Oh, I would be so Unless burned. he assumed that the people I don't know. I'd hospital... be like, oh, I'm going to go surprise him. This is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Five years later? Yeah. Yeah. A long okay. time. Yeah, but in that time period, I there can... would be other stories. I'm sure that they, it would have gotten around the hey guys, if you're coming home to your wife, yeah, you might want to give them a heads up because apparently like their life has continued. But them. they were so in love. I mean, they were so in oh. love. But it, it had they, been five actually, years. Actually, they were in lust is what they were They were in yeah. lust. They loved yeah. the nature. But yeah. also, it had been five years. We are not five, five years out right. from the pandemic. So yeah. it's like, we're not talking five months. We're no, just, yeah. five, five years. years. <laughs> it yeah. was enough time. And you were married to Anne Ma- Margaret. Come on. You, you would have you reached out. I'm How just saying. How did you saying. not see that coming? My okay. real LVP, though, it has to be oh. Uncle Ernie. Well. The man is a, a child molest. Well, he's not a child. He wasn't a child. He's a molester. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no consent given. him with Uncle Ernie. Well, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like. All right. Got it. MVP. My runner up is. Miss Turner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was the best part of this film to me. Mm. But, oh, those legs. Those <laughs> legs. I know. And be able to do all that in those platform shoes. Not easy. <sighs> but my MVP is the, the group, the who, Peter Townsend, mm-hmm. for attempting a rock opera. Because... In 1969, I was a senior in high school. I would graduate in 1970. The last thing people my age were thinking of was an opera. Mm -hmm. And when this came out, it was like a rock opera. It's the who, so it's got to be, I mean, phenomenal. It's Roger Daltrey. I mean, come on. So to be able to bring mesh those two together... Uh, it was a risk that a lot of people thought they were crazy to take. But, yeah, the who for even um, conceiving of this and as much of a mess as it is, 
to make a rock opera and, and introduce my generation to what opera is. They were talking about your generation. Your generation? <laughs> my, 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 my generation. Um, I have the who is my runner up because I did go down a who hole. <laughs> That's a hole to go down. Down a hoo hole, and um, it was. I had a good time. I was reminded it's it's, it's fun. They said I list one of the things they were talking about. They were filming. They were like recording a lot, like you know when people record performances live or whatever. And they were talking about how like there was like groups like the Beatles were having a hard time recording live because there were so many screaming girls. Yeah. But they were saying they had uh, what was on their side is that they're considered to be the loudest band ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, screaming over that. Um, but my MVP, to quote Aaron, is wait, what? <laughs> yes. The yeah. I think I was 15 minutes in texting you all like this is going to be a wild ride. Mm-hmm. And you were going, I don't know if I hate it or if I, I love don't it. know if I hate it, if I love it. And I love it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was so much fun. Yeah. I have my MVP is Tommy. He overcame so much. And then he wants to share what he's learned with other people so that they can feel it. And so he's he's completely in the present. He's not living in the past where those things happen. He's just strictly in the now. And yet the more people were more interested in him as a public figure for their consumption instead of applying his lessons to their lives to see what worked for them, they were just taking him literally. And then because his methods didn't work on them, he just they just turned on him immediately. It, it was I was just like, oh wow, this is this to this day is such commentary. It reminds me, I heard this story. A friend of mine went to this place to for meditation, and they would give you your own personal mantra to mm. meditate to. And but you would pay for it. And I was like, wait, why are you? paying for a mantra to say while meditating and so he was like well they said that you would you pay for it because they have found that by attaching a monetary value to it then you will do it because you will see the value in it because you paid money for it so you pay you know so it's so there's a value to it so then they'll they'll say it but then I just thought that was interesting, and I'm like, okay, I got that, and that's true. But then on the other hand, the other side that's also true is that they are making money off of you. So I could see how they think that that gets people into it, but that only gets people into it when they continue doing it and they get the benefit from it. But those people who, like, okay, I paid for it, now give it to me, now I'm going to do this, and then what happens when like the mantra doesn't work for them uh-huh. the first or second time that they do it, then that makes it e- almost easier for them to turn because they're cynical and they're like, oh, I got got because I gave these people mm-hmm. money for this mm-hmm. mantra. I did it twice. It didn't work. And now they feel cheated and want to like burn the whole thing down. 
So I was just like, oh, my God, that's Tommy. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, buying the whole thing. And then you have to do this. You have to do the pinball because you get the vibrations. And it's just, you know, you have my my hard and fast rule is that enlightenment or whatever you want to call it. There's no money attached to it. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have, like, if you want to go on a retreat or something, but if you're doing it, know and going to it with awareness. Anybody that's trying to say, like, here, give me this amount of money and I'll show you the way and stuff, mm, I'm not I'm not handing over any kind of money to something that is 100% free. Now, but... So it's just why, like, you just have, because there's so many people who are out there exposing and they're just saying these things that work for them. And you can, but know that and take what works for them and try it to see what talks to you. Like, I had that experience when I was a little kid and that's what worked for me. And then I forgot about it for many, many years. And then I saw, like, whole roundabout way and then that came back to me. And then I was like, oh, wait, remember that thing? I think that that's what that was. Oh, snap. And then like things like fall into place for me. And that's how it is. You have to, you have to make your own way. Like Tommy went through a whole lot and a whole weird, bizarre, bizarre journey that was his own to take him to where he needed to go to just be able to live in the moment. Exactly. Be himself. Mm -hmm. Okay. I did not do a recasting. I did. Oh. Did you? I did. Oh my god! Because I recast Frank like off the bat. I was, just, oh man. So for the mom, I recast Nicole Kidman. Yeah, she could do it. I don't know oh, if yeah, she has those singing chops, but because but she's in, she's in, saying, I mean, Anne Margaret was a singer. Yes, that was why she got cast because they were like, we need somebody who can really sing. That and they needed the Hollywood connection. Mm, that mm-hmm. was Jack Nicholson too. Um, for Frank, oh man, Javier Bardem. <gasps> oh, okay. That's why I, I want to like Oliver Reed gives me like when Javier Bardem's being evil guy. That's why I'm like I want to watch more. <laughs> no Country for Old Men. Exactly. Yeah. For yeah. Captain Walker. I have uh, Killian Murphy with his dumb cheekbones and the creepy broodingness. Um, and then for Tommy, I have Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up there and, and then for the Acid Queen, I went a Lady Gaga. Oh, hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. She'd be great as the Acid Queen. That was my recasting. All righty then. And Christine, I'm sure you did one. Yeah. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tasties. David Bowie was the original choice for the Acid Queen. I read that it was Mick Jagger. David Bowie would have been a good one. He would have been, he would have done it not to Tina's perfection. He would have done it. No, it would have been a different Acid Queen, but I would have enjoyed that also. And also when they were having trouble finding one because they weren't going, you know, in the um, people of color situation, uh, Tiny Tim, uh, you probably don't know who he was. I read that Which, it, that, it was, that it was Mick Jagger. They went up Mick Jagger for the Acid Queen. 
so I'm sure they went with Bowie, but also like Mick Jagger. And he was going to do it, but he insisted on singing three of his own songs. Yeah. And so they were yeah. like, yeah. Uh, no. Three of his own songs? Yeah. <laughs> and then that Pete Townsend wanted Tiny Tim to be the pinball wizard. Hmm. But the producer... <laughs> Now you're muted. Unmute yourself. Oh, (laughs) so when it's blinking, it's muted. Oh, yeah. I apologize. How many years did that take? She was she was doing that for a good five minutes of looking at it. And then I literally tried so hard. Did you press it twice? You must have muted it. Oh, many times. I muted and unmuted many times. I kept talking. I was just like, well, she's busy over there. Yeah, there was there was Tidy Tim was the, the one that is the pinball wizard, but the, the producer he held out oh. for Elton John and that El, Elton John like passed on it. And then when they said, Oh, you can keep the giant Doc Martens, then he was like, Sign me up. I'm in. Yes, yes. For but real? he was uncomfortable in those huge Doc Martens. And he I said, mean, well, they're Doc Martens. They're not no you gotta break them in for a really long time. He said, what's going to make me feel more comfortable is a keyboard. And that's when they put the keyboard mm. on oh. the pinball machine. Okay. Tiny Tim looks like the penguin. Like, why didn't he ever play the penguin? Tiny Tim was a very uncomfortable character. It was, really? It was, it was, it, there was nothing redeeming. It was bad. It was all, everybody laughing at him. Okay, um, the pier that burned down really did mm-hmm. burn down, and they said, oh, let's keep filming it. We can use this in in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Margaret got a Golden Globe for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mac wants to play, and Adam, has a, Adam has a rule that whenever Mac wants to play, you have to play with him, so. Oh, okay. We just played, we play a game where I hit him in the face a couple of times, and then he's, <laughs> we're done. He's finished. <laughs> well done. Over. Well done. So the whole Anne-Margaret being scene, the stuff coming out of the television was improvised. They told her, just go for it, do what you want to do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Kind of put that as as kind of cast adjacent because she's in that whole yeah. white room and then and then at one point she's writhing on a rather yeah. phallic yeah. Bra- like pillow that has pillow. been turned brown it's, and I'm just yeah, like what's was, going on here it was a lot wait what in 1973 the Who went to Cincinnati Ohio to do a Ooh. concert now in the scene you see the the people in the audience like rushed the stage. Well, they did that in this real um, venue and 11 people died from being Mm. crushed to death in a mob situation. They covered that on My Favorite Murder. Oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, did they really? Wow. Um, At Woodstock... 1969 Woodstock, uh, the Who were playing just as the sun was coming up and they were singing, see me, feel me, hear me, see me. Mm-hmm. 
And the sun rising broke out of the horizon just as they were singing that. So that's wow. that was the beginning, the very end of the movie. Um, I did write down, I looked up the point of the film. And oh. the point of the film was self-acceptance. And I wrote down this quote. Tommy is a film that amounts to far less than the sum of its parts, but it's brimming with outrageously fun little flashes of freakishness and sacrilege. Mm-hmm. Other nice. tasties. And then I have my take on um, a uh, metaphor. Mm. I don't have any tasties. I kind of spattered mine throughout. I have that VE day was the day that Tommy was born, and that was Tuesday, May 8th, 1945. And in the original album, Captain Walker kills Frank. Oh, that would have been okay with me. But it's still the same thing of how they are then like, you didn't see anything, you didn't hear anything. Mm -hmm. It was that. But at least it's his own father. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he committed murder, but he just came back from the war. He was used to killing. <laughs> he was. At a distance because he was a bomb bomb a deer bomber. Um Ken Russell the director, he didn't like he wasn't really into rock music. Um and judging from his filmography, he seemed more like a classical guy. He did a biopic about Gustav Mahler. So Wow. <laughs> but he loved the theme of the film being about a messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a box office hit. Only because it was the who and Roger Daltrey with that hair. Yeah. I always preferred Roger. Roger Daltrey was like, I, yeah, he was hot. Way hotter than... Um, Robert Plant. Although I I kind of preferred Led Zeppelin to The Who, but yeah, the two of them, because the two of them had basically the same aesthetic going, but I was Mm -hmm. just like, ooh, Daltrey. And he's he's held up. He he like still looks great. Yeah. You look at him against Mick Jagger, even back in the day. mm, Yeah. Yeah. he, he, He was pretty to look at. That hair was perfection. Great singer. Um, this was nominated for two Academy Awards. You had Best Original Song Score and Adaptation or Scoring Adaptation. And Anne Margaret was nominated in Best Actress. Outstanding. Because mm-hmm. she acted her ass off. She did. This. She had to really use her vocal chops to do all of that, like, almost operatic singing. Yeah, she was she was just great. She was amazing. That scene where she was just disgusted by him at the arcade, you know, shooting down mm-hmm. the pilots. It was like great. So she was nominated in that category with Carol Kane, Glenda Jackson, Isabella Ajani, and the winner was Louise Fletcher for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. I bring that up because Jack Nicholson was in this film mm-hmm. and he was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and won an Oscar. For his performance in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. So this was a big year for Jack Nicholson. Like Indeed. he was he was Mr. Big Time. And then finally, a little bit, a little uh to put a little button on this, how about a little bit from history.com regarding pinballs? 
So, because I was fascinated. I was like, wait, is that how pinballs came about from the war? Like, they were well, like, bearings. But it, it was before that. It came about 1931 was the first coin-operated game. And then in 1947, that was the advent of the flippers. And then mm. players would gamble on the games. Mm-hmm. They were A lot of them were manufactured in Chicago, which was a hotbed of organized crime yes, during the yes, Depression. Indeed. And there were also links between pinball and murder inking out of New York. So... Predictably, the more things change, the more they say the same. Churches and school boards, they said that it was dangerous because it encouraged kids to steal coins, skip school to play, and even go hungry just to play. And then it bred crime and juvenile delinquency. This pinball madness must stop. And so that was during the Depression. Then Pearl Harbor happens and people are like, oh, wait. Not only is it causing delinquents for kids, but now it's unpatriotic because it is a waste of copper, aluminum, and nickel, which we need for the war effort. So New York City Mayor, New York City Mayor Florello, how do you say his first, LaGuardia's first name? Well, Mr. LaGuardia. Mr. LaGuardia. He banned pinball. On January 21st, 1942. So wow. police, police squads raided. They, the, they oh, just raided, my God. They raided candy stores, bowling alleys, bars, and amusement centers. And they did like what they did with the prohibition. You know, when they would get it and they would smash up the bottles. This mm-hmm. thing got all the oh, pinballs. No. They smashed up all the pinballs. And it was said that those smashing of the pinballs, they made four 2,000 pound aerial bombs. So take that, Nazis. And then, so pinball was banned. And then you get to 1974. Who comes in to save the day? The California State Supreme Court. In oh my God, we brought the Supreme Court into it? The California State Supreme okay. Court. 1974. So <laughs> like a year before this film comes out. That they ruled that pinball was more a game of skill rather than a chance. And they un- overturned its prohibition in L.A. And so then in 1970s New York City, they're going through a bankruptcy crisis. And so they decided to overturn the pinball ban and charge a $50 Tax. license fee yes, on the pinball go. machine, which then would bring on in every what, machine. Damn. Yeah, a licensing fee so that they could get paid $1.5 million. All about the Benjamin. Uh, all about the money. But by that time, it was the mid 70s, and video games were smaller and cheaper and easier to maintain and they started going so it was that thing where like how they made pinball but pinball was like part of the counterculture because for a long Mm -hmm. time it was banned yeah i got into pinball in um with poppy in 73 74 time look frame. At, look at you delinquent you little interracial LSD playing pinball yeah look at you criminals I, I didn't know that the mob was taking some of my that's why my flippers wouldn't work all of a sudden because of the mob well there is a i mean there's a bunch of them but 
there's a pinball museum in Asbury Park and you pay like, I don't know, some minute, like some small fee and you could pay it, play all the games or whatever. They all work. But we had a meeting for work there one time when I was working in Jersey and I had to present something with a partner and all I just remember like we pres- all you could hear like or like listening to other people's presentations because even if nobody's playing them they still fucking make noise somehow yeah it was fun when I was in Vegas also oh we gotta go I want to do pinball when I come back um like when you go to New York or when you come back we gotta go maybe when you go to Vegas that's what we should do ooh. We could go, mm-hmm. we could plan your whole trip around the pinball. Good. Also, on this film, the pinball machines they used were all in service before um, 1975 when the film came out. Mm. So they were they were um, sure to use pinball machines that could actually have been used in the span time frame of this movie. Nice. I went through a pinball phase kind of because my, my friend Novak was in college. He went through a huge pinball thing. So just up and down the mid-Atlantic from Philadelphia to D.C., he was always scouting out pinball machines. That pinball machines nice. and a frozen custard. Frozen custard. And it had to be a certain, you would call up and make sure there was a certain machine. Make him, he was like, what is your make and <laughs> yes, model? Because he, uh-huh. yes, he didn't he want did. it to be soft serve. He was like, what are you? And they would get mad if they were trying to pass off soft serve as frozen custard. Frozen custard. Mm. Two Woo-hoo. different things, evidently. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, my, is everybody else done? Yes. Mm-hmm. So there were so many circles. I said, circles have to represent something. And I did research and nothing came up with circles in the film Tommy. So I came up with my own. Mm. Mm. Everything comes around again. Everything everywhere all at once. The Mm -hmm. father and mother made him blind, mute, and deaf. But then they wanted to cure him of that. But the whole reason he was that was because of them. The Church of Marilyn Monroe was replaced by the Church of Tommy. The newest thing that is always coming up and it's always coming back around to be, eh, but that idol did me wrong. You know, I, I tried it for two weeks. It didn't work. Provitalize with me. Didn't work. So it is all cyclical. Everything is mm-hmm. cyclical. There is no beginning. There is no end. Mm. There is only next week. That's deep. Um, so that has been Tommy. It was it was a ride. It was a fun ride. I'm so glad. It was a ride into my um my my college years. Wild. Yeah. Did and you go I see it in the theater? I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. She's not gonna remember. Are you kidding me? I seriously, I said to Poppy last night, we must have seen Tommy in the theater. Although that March of 75, we weren't, he was in, he, I was in Ohio teaching and he was 
Oh, Fort Hood. Well, not Fort Hood anymore, but the old Fort Hood in Texas. Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it was it was kind of almost a, a Tommy-esque in that he was gone, but you knew he was alive, luckily. So I did know out. he was alive, yes. Yes. He didn't write to me nearly as much as I wrote to him, but we did count. We did use uh, the telephone and... Um, the postal office. <laughs> I can't imagine my dad's letters. I am here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for you? the letter. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, I can't imagine because as <laughs> someone who's married to an offspring, boy, when he goes out of town, we just don't speak. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, thank God for text messaging, but like. Exactly. And, yeah. and and with that, just a thumbs up, let you know, okay, he's still alive. This mm-hmm. is good. Okay, well, next, next week, week. It's my pick. It is a teeny pick, so who knows? Unfortunately, where it doesn't look like Spice World is available. I, oh. I think I thought we've been over that because there's like a cameo of somebody who wasn't it like that real bad guy, like a real bad guy in Britain, and he had a cameo in it. No, not Meatloaf, like a real mm. bad guy. I one of the real bad kitty people oh i think so i thought i thought we've well, already we're yeah. not doing spice world mm. it's my birthday weekend so that would have been a really nice pick but that's, oh, okay. that's right oh my god i have to get on that um so we're going to 1967 we're we're, we're like hovering over the 60s and 70s recently mm-hmm I was very disappointed to see that this got a 33% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes because I've heard about it a lot. Mm. 59% audience score. Mm. Um, What to say, what to say. Well, we talked about it recently. Um, Feed me Seymour. No, oh. two hours and three minutes. Oh my gosh, TV! Oh, you went over I know. your own time frame. Nineteen sixty-seven, two-hour film. Um, Barbara Perkins. <gasps> I know Barbara Perkins. Patty Duke. A Valley of the Dolls. Yep. Oh wow! We're gonna do Valley of the Dolls, and also fitting because Sharon Tate is in it. <gasps> and what's her face? From the Manson murders, um, Leslie Van Houten, who was convicted of murdering, not she wasn't at Sharon Tate, but that other another couple, she right. is about the to be Bianca. That is, yeah, Bianca. Yeah, um, she is up for parole. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's just coming out a few like. That came out this week. Um, I mean, she was 19. Yeah. She looks was, like it's wild. Of, now she looks just like any middle aged white woman. She like, does. <laughs> yeah. Although, Ma, she looks, you look way better. You didn't do a whole bunch of time like she did. I, didn't serve, I don't know how she got I have served there. time, but not with the jail. Well, not with the bars. Yeah. Well, not with the iron bars. <laughs> I mean, you you got 
you did all right. That's, she is not in no way equating to the. <laughs> so in New York City, bright but naive New Englander Ann Wells becomes a secretary at a theatrical law firm, law firm where she falls in love with an attorney. Um, and befriends up-and-coming singer Neely O'Hara, whose dynamic talent threatens aging star Helen Lawson and beautiful but talentless actress Jennifer North. And the women experience success and failure in love and work, leading to heartbreak, addiction, and tragedy. Mm. What could go wrong? Wow. What could possibly go wrong? And we can see this on... Uh, you know, I didn't look that up, but... <laughs> All right. I haven't seen. I feel like we can watch it. Um, it says on on Apple TV. I'm sure. Yeah. Amazon. I, I don't think I saw this. I always wanted really? to. Really. And I didn't read the book either. What year was it? Sixty-seven. I always confuse this uh, with the Stepford Wives. Mm. In my well, head. Very, very different movie. I, well, yeah. Apparently. Wow. Okay, listeners. Um, this has been the week of Tommy, a rock opera. My youth. And uh, well, next week, more it. drugs. More, mm -hmm. dr <laughs> more drugs that I have never experienced. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and okay. more lies. There are several. <laughs> there are several <laughs> that I have never experienced. And, um, well, that's, there you go, listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye.